0: You're listening to the Safe Food Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Safe Food Nutrition Podcast. I'm Dr. Aileen McLoyne, Director of Marketing and Communications at Safe Food, the all island agency promoting food safety and healthy eating. On this podcast, we talk about nutrition, issues like obesity, food poverty, sustainability, and health in the media. Today, we look at the barriers to physical activity for those living with obesity. I'm delighted to be joined by Maura Murphy from the Irish Coalition for People Living with Obesity and Clinical Specialist Physiotherapist Colin Dunleavy. So you're both very welcome. Thank you for taking part in this podcast today. Maura, I'm going to start with you if you don't mind. And could you please talk a little bit about your experience of physical activity?
1: I have had my weight since I was 12 years of age and I have been to every diet you could imagine. And now I've just learned to live my life the way it is. I live in a rural area uh, in the countryside and uh, I find like, you know, you walk out in the road, you can't really go for a walk on those narrow roads anymore. So you have to dive into the ditch every so often. So um, on, a, on a given day when I, when I decide I'm going for a walk, I have to figure out how much pain I'm, I'm suffering at the time. Is it knee pain? Is it hip pain? Is it back pain? And how far can I walk? And another thing that I would really be worried about is if I walk too far, will I need to be rescued? Because I might end up with my knee going or my my back. And so what I do is I drive, I get into my car and I drive to an athletics track that's in my area here in Ballina. And if I walk one round around that track, I get 1,000 steps in. But I can see my car at all times in the car park. So if I feel not unwell or I feel too much pain, I can go back to my car. So really, in reality, any day I get onto this track is a good day. So I don't go out thinking I'm going to do one lap, two laps, three laps. I am going to do what I can do on the day and I'm delighted to be there. I, I love swimming. And swimming, you're so light in the water. It's, you know, you really are. It's great for when you're living with obesity and it doesn't you, you don't hurt your joints. But I can't go swimming unless I examine the pool beforehand in other words it has to be steps in i can't go in a ladder i can't come back out of a ladder and i have to have you know rails that i can hold on to but the most important thing is and possibly a bit of a taboo subject is personally with obesity i from at uh, 12 years of age putting up the weight arriving at 28 stone having a gastric surgery coming down to 17 and a half stone where i am now i have an apron of skin hang, hanging over my tummy And that apron of skin underneath it, you have to be very careful about the hygiene of that underneath there. So I would have to wash very carefully. But before I go for a walk or anything like that, I would pad that area with cotton wool. And when I come back from my walk, I would take the cotton wool out, of course, and I would wash carefully there and dry very, very carefully. And that's very important for me because I can't afford, I have type 2 diabetes, I cannot afford to have any sores or welts around me. Totally careful on that subject. So anyway, the one thing about the swimming pool, to get back to that, is if the dressing room is a communal dressing room and with the overhanging skin, I really cannot dress or undress in that area if they're small children. I wouldn't do it to them. So there are certain things that have to be in in the swimming pool and one of them has to be a dressing room that I can go into and close the door to undress and dress.
0: Maura, you've described tremendous ingenuity and with great humour overcoming these challenges. Tell me about what being physically active means to you in terms of your health and your life.
1: Uh, Growing up with all the kids on the road like you know I'm we're still all great friends and they haven't changed size you know they put up a pound they put so much over Christmas and they take it off again it's me I kept putting up putting up but I was the most active person on the road I played basketball I played tennis I mean, my mother used to, say to me, would you please come in off the road? You know, yeah, you know, we'd like to meet you now and again in the family situation. But I was always active, never. And even still to this day, I'm never not active. I'm always doing something. But, when, as, you know, I possibly picked the wrong job in that I was sitting down all day long. Uh, and I put up a lot of weight doing that. Uh, but when I had my gastric operation and I came down almost 11 stone, oh, my God, the difference. The quality of life for me was amazing. And then with the physiotherapy out in the weight clinical office down there with Colin, who, when I had problems, I say to him, listen, there's something wrong with my hip. What do I do? And he told me how to get into the swimming pool and cure that. So, I mean, the quality of life since I lost all of that weight is amazing. I I mean, my poor grandson, who's five, can't give up to me at times, you know. You've talked
0: a lot about barriers. Are there any other barriers you'd like to let us know about?
1: Yeah, Well, there would be like, I mean, for, for instance, like uh, now in this area here where I live, um, I'm not too bad, but I lived in Leitrim, it was very remote. But today uh, I got the, the Mayo advertiser came in the door today and they have this new system in the, uh, the you know, the link buses and the local link buses. And they now have a, uh, what you call a service. It's kind of a door to door service for people. Not just for people over sixty-five, but people who have disabilities and are on, the, you know, on the mobility, have mobility issues, that they can, you know, ring up and say, be brought to the post office or to their healthcare unit, or to whatever, or to the community centre for whatever. So that's a big jump forward that I'm delighted to see. That would be, a big, for instance, I um, had the knee, the knee operation I told you about, the knee replacement, brilliant, absolutely amazing. But I had to go to physiotherapy uh, the two weeks after that. Now, living in Leitrim I literally had to ask my friend to come down and stay with me because when I rang the local hospital they had said that the bus or the ambulance bus that normally did this was now not working did that although in every hospital it was now taken off the roll uh, and we found that too in the ICPO support meetings that people were saying well I'm sorry but I can't get to my appointments anymore they've taken the ambulance away now it's a bus ambulance you know what I'm talking about so that, if that was reinstated, it would be great. You know, not just the local link, but if that was put back on the road. Again, like that uh, down in uh, Cairton Channel, I used to see the old people being brought there for a day's respite. And I used to play music with Colt. So I'd be down playing the music while they'd be having their little, their little gin and tonics or whatever. And they'd be having great old sessions of the wood. So all of that needs to be put back, I think. And particularly for people living with, not just living with obesity, but people living with mobility problems. You know, it would be great to see that
0: service coming back in again. Something else you mentioned earlier on, Maura, if you don't mind talking about it a little bit more, was your feelings about changing in changing rooms for swimming. And I suppose this touches on the idea of weight stigma. Now, we have covered weight stigma in other podcasts here. But could you tell me a little bit more about your experience of that in your life?
1: Yeah, well, like from a young age, I told you I've always had my weight from, you know, the elbows passing by in the vans and the cars shouting out the window when I was 28 stone,
2: you know, how did I handle
1: that? Well, I thought, well, for the other five drivers that are passing me by, they might be say, saying to themselves, well, fair play to her for trying. So I concentrated on them rather than the, the lads. But with uh, 60% of the population now overweight or living with obesity, they're not going to be shouting at their grannies or their aunties or their uncles, and they won't be doing that for long. I can tell you, I think it'll be brought home to every household what weight, the problem of weight is, you know, and how it needs to be addressed and how we need to. Funded as well you know and stigma in the workplace like i've been passed over twice for promotion uh this would be in the 90s for starters uh when one of the uh people on the interview panel came to me after this very nice lady and she said gosh more you did a great interview she said top of the panel said, shame about your weight you were not really suitable for front of house that was a civil service now there was no redress in 93 and you know i was actually just felt more shame than anything else again you go on the mad diets but you know, in fact, three weeks later, I was actually sent to the front of an office. I worked there for 14 years, but that's how the civil service works. No one knows. But, uh, and then uh, when I went back to work after having my children, um, I was in an office working as, uh, in accounts. And um, like that, the, the lassie who came in behind me was sent for the permanent job before I was. So when I went into the administration manager and asked him why, he said, well, Maura, we knew you wouldn't pass the medical.
0: Colin, if you don't mind, I'll bring you in here. Could you tell us a little bit about your experience as a physiotherapist of working with people to address their weight and their physical activity?
2: I've been working in the weight management service in Lachlanstown since 2008 um, as a physiotherapist. So I I think over the years, uh, things have changed and our understanding of what we're dealing with has changed. Maura's great story uh, there was the most active kid on the block and yet she's the one who's living with obesity. So that in itself tells us the direction of our, our thoughts have gone. So I think it's when we started at this, oh, my certain imp- certainly my impression coming in was this is about eating less and moving more, and should, it's not that complicated. Um, but that's not actually it. Now the science that has come on since then has informed us of that. So I suppose I, I probably... I answered that question a little bit differently. Um, So what generally happens, and will can come in and back this up, is that um, your ability and your functional capacity gets eroded and taken away by obesity. And it's not the other way around. So it's not the person doesn't become obese because they're not moving enough. Their movement ability is taken away by the disease. So I suppose it suits me being a physio even better. I thought at the start I was having to do like a TV style on the treadmill and sweat it out and it's gone away then. And I soon found out that it wasn't going to happen. And that that way of thinking about it is so erroneous And, but yeah, it's still on our TVs, unfortunately. So once you know what you're talking about, when you're, when you're, when you're trying to help people who are living with this disease as a physiotherapist, you are not trying to burn calories. That is, that's, that's, we don't think like that anymore. So we just recognize that there's a load of different parts of a lived experience that takes a person's ability to move away. And then my role and our role and anyone providing healthcare to this wonderful group of people is getting them to be able to maintain and recover and rehabilitate their movement and their ability to move, because they've loads. Morris uh, touched on some really important um, bits there. Maybe some some of those will address more. Was talking about pain, so uh, pain is very highly prevalent in this uh, this group of people. And there's loads of reasons for that. I used to think it was just a mechanical loading thing, that the joints and muscles have to do more work, so therefore they get... But that's not actually the problem. That's a part of it, but there's a whole... Uh, physiological side where there's some what we call pro-inflammatory status that makes things a little bit more sensi- sensitized and sensitive. But I think there's a, and the more I, 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 I'm, I'm in this area, you can see there's a huge psychological load when you're living with the, the disease of obesity and more was talking about the experience when you're dealing with others. And they are what's called othering you and making you different and making you outside the group. But actually, you probably do it to yourself too. Would that be fair, to Shout Maura? That, that it,
1: yeah, there's definitely self self discrimination that you do and self stigmatization that you do because exactly. yeah, because you know you just have it. You have all these doubts and things that build up in your mind, you know.
2: And it makes you you, you come down on yourself. And anybody who's going around with a psychological load to carry. Hmm. The line between your body experience, your somatic somatic experience, and your psychological health is very blurred. And again, when I was, when I left college hundreds of years ago, I thought it was very simple: the brain lives up there, and the body is down there, and they don't really do much together. But they share loads of sh- the whole thing. You can't separate. So if somebody's feeling chronically like I'm a bad person, look, I'm a failure at this. Uh, that's another massive part of why people are living with pain you, you express that bit and there's a little bit of the load and a little bit of the inflammatory st- uh, status and then you probably become a bit deconditioned because of the disease and all that that, that processes with it and then that in itself will make moving a little bit harder and a little bit more painful can
1: I just say there, Colin, the first day that I met you when I was 28 stone at the wait-night the clinic in Loughlinstown, and you said to me, let's go for a walk. I really, my, my heart went down to my boots. I thought, I'm never going to do this. And I have to say, fair play to you, we, it took us a long time to get around that car park. You kept the chat going. You had a thing on my finger taking my, my pulse or whatever it was, and you kept the chat going. And after that, I thought, hang on, I got around that car park. That wasn't too bad at all. So it wasn't. So that made me realise I can actually do this. I said that to you before, and that was the start of me getting back on the road. Thanks, movement.
2: Maura. And, you know, I suppose part of that is is what people think. And again, the mixed messages that we give, unfortunately, in this area as well, it probably needs to be hard and it probably needs to be sweating and you need probably need to be out of breath. And that just, again, reinforces the, the negative experience of that. So if it's a real negative experience, as we say, if the medicine is a poke in the eye, well, who's going to take that? And it's not about that. It must be about rehabilitation and, and just working with your joints. I think a big definition uh, to get right as well is the expectations are, are, and the reasons for it to engage in physical activity when you're living with this difficult disease. and being have given yourself permission to work in your if you like your golden window i can do this amount if i do less than that i don't feel good if i do more than that i feel sore so where is my golden window of movement that i can engage with and then trying to use that to rehabilitate your your function
0: you've both articulated beautifully the interaction between physical barriers psychological barriers and the social barriers and it's been a real pleasure to listen to you discussing personally Maura how you've overcome those barriers and Colin on your experience of helping people overcome those barriers. Is there any other advice or insight you would give to us on overcoming barriers for people living with obesity in relation to physical activity?
1: Don't live with the stigma. Don't do nothing. Get up and do something about it. Go to your first port of call, with your GP. Get them to refer you on to either a physiotherapist or onto the Weight Management Clinic, St. Colin Hills Hospital in Lachlanstown. I know there's a waiting list, but at least beyond the waiting list, contact our organisation, ICPO, the Irish Coalition for People Living with Obesity. Find us on Facebook at ICP Obesity. We'll have our website up soon. Um, it's confidential and it's great support for people who have weight or, or who are living with obesity. And it's great to find other people, like minded people, who understand your journey. And then there's the National Obesity Program, the clinical program launched uh, by the HSE Model Care for the Management of Overweight and Obesity in 2019. And we really look forward to that being Im- implemented. There's a lot in that 94 pages, which I read. There's a lot in it. And uh, it's a uh, if, if all that is implemented, it should be it did improve the life because it will be in your local area. You won't have to travel so far, which would be amazing. you know.
0: Colin, is there anything you'd like to add to that in your experience of supports that are available?
2: I think Morris said it all really and I 100% back, back it. I think that key bit is recognising if you're a person living with obesity, listening to this, that it can be a really lonely place. And again, there's a, there's an experience of living with others and the unhelpful language and ideas that, that sometimes form some of that relations. And then for your own thoughts and feelings about it is rarely positive. So sharing that and getting a support network um, talking to somebody about about uh, how to, I suppose, in terms of function, how to rehabilitate yourself. What's the expectations of that, you know? But I think sharing in a group such as the ICPO would is a fantastic, um, fantastic group for and, and resource for people. I suppose in terms of habits. Um, and getting off the floor, if you like, with some physical activity, knowing why you're doing it. You're doing it so your future self will be able to interact with the air environment a little bit better. You'll be able to move a little bit better.
0: Colin, what advice would you give to healthcare professionals who might be listening to the podcast in relation to physical activity for those living with obesity?
2: I suppose really understanding what success and failure are. And that is any engagement in in terms of improving somebody's function is important and getting your language right about that. Now, uh, when when I started off, I realized or I thought I realized that language was a minefield and I could easily say the wrong thing. But actually, then um, after I I remember um, being at an an in-service about mental health and the person talking was uh, was was uh, tackled the same issue about how do we address this with our language from a healthcare professional delivery point of view. And they said, if you really understand it, if you really accept it, as this is nothing to do with this person, they were dealt this hand and you're in this privileged position to be able to try to offer some help with it. And if you truly are empathetic to it, you don't have to worry about your language. It will just come out Normal, and the, you won't say things that are offensive or or, or, or threatening to your collaborative relationship because it, you couldn't because you're actually there in that space. So I think if people can really make that 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 journey, that their own emotional journey with this, that they can accept what their role is, that this person is looking and seeking help. Let's make do all the professional things, make your problem list um, and ask them what is the thing that they want most from this consultation and um, how can I help and make sure that you're there to be that person um, in a respectful, mannerly way. And I think you will, you'll sail uh, every consultation from then on.
0: And one last question, if you don't mind, for both of you. If you have a conversation with a policymaker and you could ask for just one thing, what would that one thing be?
2: I I, I think if we could all, the the policymaker could implement the the model of care would be a fantastic achievement. I think we just need to change the narrative even from uh, the the decision makers that this isn't uh, a disease of eat less, move more. This is a disease that's complex it's it's it, it, uh, and it's, it needs to be uh, thought of as such, and um, without any stigma uh, attached from from uh, people making the decisions in a more empathetic way. And I think public public health decisions could be made. I think they could be made around the availability of top shelf foods, um, and financial implications or financial controls on such things probably would help. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not, I wouldn't be an expert on that. Um, for me, my job is dealing with people with a severe disease, and I just like to make sure that I, if somebody is living with a severe disease, that do get access to a service. I suppose like ours.
1: Well, if I found some policymakers that would even listen to me, I'd say to them at this moment in time, one in five children suffer for, from obesity. So if you can come in at that level and help, really help that level and put the funding into it, see what's causing it, see what the problem is. Uh, it would have to be a cross-government support and funding for the full implementation, too, of the newly launched model of care, uh, which would be a terrific help. I would say please invest in long-term treatment for people who blame themselves, especially when they regain weight. It's ongoing. You don't treat obesity just once. The same, it's the same as other diseases, as heart diseases. It's for life. And I would hope that the policymakers would have somebody in their family who would be overweight with 60% of the population. I think
2: I'll be hitting on it all right. I wonder, could I add something there? Um, And that is also how we'd influenced uh, higher education institutes. We were talking about stigma from yourself, from other strangers on, on the street. But I think the worst thing is when you meet stigma and negative bias from a healthcare professional. And... Again, we talked about pain. Look at the amount of people who come back to me after going to an orthopedic consultation or a vascular consultation. And unfortunately, the expert there not understanding the process of this disease and putting it down to, to a 1980s concept of eat less, move more when they learned it and not realizing that things have changed completely and how negative and damaging that is. So I suppose I would like to make sure that 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 the policymakers would also uh, extend as far as the higher education institutes that they address this in a robust, uh, up-to-date scientific manner, and that people aren't leaving college uh, with, with the negative, uh, stigmatizing views and realizing that they can help in profoundly how people live their lives with this particular disease.
0: Well, thank you both for participating in this podcast. You've given us tremendous insight, understanding and indeed increased empathy, which we hope we can spread to those who are listening to the podcast.
2: Thank you very much. And thanks, Maura, for sharing your great stories. Uh, Thanks. Thanks, Colin.
0: Thank you so much for taking part. Thanks, Colin. Thanks, Maura. And mind yourselves.
1: Thank you for asking me. Thank you. Take care.
0: Thanks to everyone for tuning in. If you'd like to get in touch, please email us at info at safefood.net or message us on Twitter at safefoodnetwork Network or on LinkedIn. If you want to hear more podcasts, just search SafeFood Podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to learn more about obesity policies and programs on the island of Ireland, please sign up to our Obesity Action Forum newsletter at safefood.net forward slash nutrition. Until the next time then, goodbye and take care.